0: Back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: Welcome back, everyone. 9.03 the time. Hour number three here on Sports 56 Mornings. 34 degrees. Getting up to 54 today. Sunshine tonight. Clear skies in a low of 38, and then tomorrow for your Wednesday, 62 with sunshine. So some pretty darn good weather. It's the Tuesday, February 13th, 2024 edition. Greg Aston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their floor model sale rolls right along at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. It's Tuesday. It's time to talk some roads Athletics.
0: It's time to go inside Rhodes College Athletics on Sports 56 Mornings. Every week, a representative from Rhodes will join Greg and Eli to talk about all things links. Let's go inside Rhodes Athletics now on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
1: We are joined once again by the head men's basketball coach at Rhodes, Zo Goodson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zogutson. Goodson. Couple of tough losses over the weekend, though, and another like two point loss. I don't know how many of those you've had. <laughs> Games that have gone down to the wire. How are you?
2: Oh, I've been better, sure. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, it's been one of those years. You know, where I was talking to, with a really good friend of mine, his assistant coach at Stetson, Sean Finney, on my way over, and we were just talking about, you know, when you have a young team like this, sometimes it's. It's just learning how to win, and then these tough games, and we haven't gotten over the hump, and so it's been a bit of a beat down trying to uh, trying to figure that out. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, got down twenty on the road again on Sunday, and battled all the way back, took the lead late in the second half, missed a few free throws again with the lead that that you know obviously are are, are killers when they're the last two minutes like that. But um, that that's the way it goes. We just got to. Got to grow up a little bit here, going into, into conference tournament time.
1: How do you learn how to win?
2: Win, find, d- d- yeah. get one, get one. You know I mean, but really, you know, it's like you know, we we're down two. We've practiced this play all year long, um, and we come out of the timeout, and we knew everybody knew what we were going to do because we just practiced it. We talked about it, and it, just basic little things. The setup was wrong. The guys didn't get to their marks on the court to set the initial play up properly. So I'm trying to get them there, but as I'm trying to get them there, the rest enter in the ball, and then because the angles were wrong, um, it's just little details that that young guys um, tend to forget about, you know. And so we we've run this play several times and gotten wide open shots. We've gotten shots to go into overtime. We've gotten shots out of this play to either tie or take the lead, and they've been wide open. Um, so. The, the little details and getting those right are, are what's really hurting us right now.
3: What's the kind of, like, I guess, almost the morale of the team when, again, you're losing these close games? It's got to be a lot of frustration built
2: up. Very, everybody's really frustrated. Nobody enjoys losing, and, and that's the thing is, you know, the the morale is that they they don't quit. I mean, that, that's the great thing about these guys, and they're very resilient And the fact that they do move on quickly. Um, and, and so... But, the, like, talking with Arness, Georgetown, you know, he's one of our captains yesterday. It's, it, our average margin of, of loss in all of our losses in conference is six. Six right. points. That's it. And so we're in every single one of these games, whether it's on the road or at home. And so we do know we can beat these teams. We know that. And so it's just, you know, if Arness, you know, he's, he's taking all the blame for, you know, because he had a bad shooting day on Sunday. It's like, Arness, if you don't play as hard as you do, As you did on Sunday, we're not in the game, and so guys are still playing really hard. It's just we got to if we could ever put together that good defensive day with that good shooting day, I feel sorry for that team. We just got to (laughs) find we got to find that day.
1: Well, you got one game left in the regular season. It's tomorrow night's a home game, eight o'clock against Hendricks, a team you beat on the road earlier in the season. Obviously, you want to get a dub. You want to get that taste going, but also momentum going into the conference tournament.
2: No doubt, and and. We can, and we're you know, like I said, we're at home, so we typically shoot better at home. Um, we've been significantly better defensively the last four games. We really have been. We've been we've held almost everybody well under their average. So we're getting there. That's a sign of a, a maturity coming along, yeah. I guess. A little bit of their defense and believing in it, and still working really hard uh, defensively. So. Uh, getting home getting shots up you know we got shooting groups getting ready to start here as soon as the show's over i'm, I'm booking at the campus so gonna get that shot going a little bit and get guys hot well that's too like because it
3: would be when you're when you're having a rough season from i'm sure from a player's perspective it's it's easy to kind of i said get down he's and the first thing that my show was on the defensive end I'm like am i really like we keep losing anyway am i really gonna put that effort in right. on the
2: defensive end and these guys, they—they, they I mean, we have made some minor changes and, and adjustments in the last couple of weeks, and they have one million percent bought in. And so, you know, the messaging is going to be moving forward from today, and our when we meet, and then going to the practice floors. Our conference tournament starts now, yeah. right? I mean, because tomorrow night's game has ramifications on who we play on Sunday, sure. and so our conference tournament starts. Today, really, I mean, we're we're going into this. We're going into the postseason mode right now, and and, and survive and advance uh, mode starts literally today at three
3: thirty. And as, as you said, the fact that you've played all of these teams close, like you know. And they know, like, you have the ability to beat all of these teams. So it's a reset, and you go into that conference tournament, and, and again, you get hot, and you continue to play the defense the way you are. Who knows what could happen?
2: That's exactly right. And, and, we're, and we're as healthy as we're going to be at this point, right? We're, uh, we're finally down to just the one guy is out who had the season-ending injury. So Xavian was back Sunday. He was limited minutes. He only was able to play 15 minutes. So he was limited, but now he's back full go. Um, and then Jonathan Pring is back, full go. So this will be the first time that we've been this healthy all year. Literally the first time that we've had wow. this many guys available. So um, it will be interesting to see how today's practice goes with a full uh, roster going up and down. Uh, and, then, and then hopefully that turns into some extra energy going into tomorrow.
1: At full strength, everybody healthy for all the teams in the league. Is talent pretty even across the board? Or yeah, or some that stand out and have have much more talent.
2: I mean, I think Barry has shown that they they stand out with their record. I mean, they've only got one loss. Um, they're twelve and one, and so the closest team in second place, I think, has four or five losses. So, um, with that being said, I think Barry stands out the most. But it's they've remained healthier throughout the year better than everybody else. I mean, the injuries we've had in this league, you know, like I could name several, you know, Hendricks, a team that everybody thought would be a top four team in the league. And, you know, here we are playing each other tomorrow night for seventh and eighth place um, because of all the injuries they've had, all the injuries we've had, center, it's been a really, really injury real year for everybody in the league across the. Um, it's been weird, but the timing of those injuries has been different. Hendricks and I and us, we've had. Our timing has just been really, really bad. Um, and and it, with you know two or three at a time yeah and and the other guys are just one here and one there
1: and, and, and excuse me Eli I know it's division three we're not talking about the budgets that Ohio State has and right for football I basketball, wish we did but from a recruiting <laughs> budget standpoint is Rhodes equivalent to everybody else in the league
2: yeah oh yeah recruiting budget standpoint I mean I'm not I, I would say we're probably top two or three if not top two okay and so yeah I mean that yeah, you're not going to hear me give any excuses there. We're, we're we we have the ability to recruit. I mean, one of the, we had a visit yesterday from a uh, a young man. Um, I yeah, almost, almost messed up there. Almost <laughs> almost gave too much information. Yes, yes uh, Yesterday's visit. Um, but the dad said, you know, I look at your roster compared to everybody else's roster in the league, and you guys are truly recruiting nationally, which everybody's seen me or heard me talk about on this show, seen me talk about on Twitter, is that we do recruit nationally compared to a lot of teams in the league can only recruit regionally. And so, yeah, there, we, we have no restrictions recruiting. So
3: you mentioned – the, with the game tomorrow night, is going to determine who you play Sunday. Explain again how your conference tournament works.
2: So conference tournament is the first round. Everybody plays Sunday, this coming Sunday. And then semifinals and finals are there. And that will be at the higher seeds. The higher home. seeds, yep. So the top four seeds host on Sunday. And then the highest seed left in the tournament host the next weekend, which will be Saturday that following Saturday, Sunday, for the semifinals and finals.
1: Winner automatically into the D three tournament. Do you think there's any at larges out of this out of this conference?
2: No, not this year. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, no. That I think we're we're one bid league this year um, coming out, and so even if Barry didn't win the conference tournament, no, they don't. They they they, wow. they had an incredible incredible record last year, and they only took one. They lost in the finals to swanee last year i think they were 23 and 3 oh really and they still didn't get in wow wow so uh, i think we're a one bid league this year now i do think in two years when we start adding we get to a 10 team league and then i think that we get a lot more uh recognition at the national level to be a a multiple bid league
1: who are they adding
2: right trinity and southwestern out of texas And I don't, and I I mean, I don't know this, but I don't think that the SAA is done. I think we're going to continue to grow and continue to get better and better. How big are most of the conferences in Division Three? Gosh, are all over the place. I mean, there's some that you know. I just saw a tweet last night. There are some that are 14, 15 team leagues, all the way down to just eight, like we are. And um, those those higher those those larger conferences have really cut back on their amount of teams they're allowing in the conference tournament to protect. Strength yeah. of schedule, and one of the one of the tweets and one of the replies last night was, if the SAA would have done that last year, we would have been a two bit leak because the the eight versus one really hurt um, Barry's strength of schedule going into that conference. Oh, tournament, okay, or in that conference tournament.
1: What is what is um, the factors in divisions? Your division three. If you wanted to move up the division two, it, it can't be like enrollment because we know that. There is very small Division One school. Correct. You know, Wake Forest is miniature. It's like four thousand people. So, how what is the status and what would be the benefits of? I'm not saying you guys are doing right. that. I'm just I'm just curious. Like, your Division Three, CBU's Division Two, lemoyne Owens Division Two here in the city. Right. What's what makes the difference?
2: Well, I mean, it's so we we absolutely would check all the boxes to be Division Two. I mean, because the number of sports, number of competing for championship, all mm-hmm. that stuff. There's just all those parameters you got to meet. That we would be able to check those boxes. I think we meet the the minimum for Division One, a number of a number of sports really? competing. Really? Yeah, and so it's just a matter of does the, the school want to put up scholarship money? Yeah, scholarships yeah. that becomes I the mean, thing. Because look, I would put our facilities across the board up almost against every Division Two that was mentioned, and and we could talk more about that. But I would put our facilities up against uh, anybody there. Um, but it, I think it just comes down to does the school want to want to invest in the scholarships and stuff and there's there's pieces that reasons why you do and why you don't right and yeah. so that that is the biggest difference is do you is it going to come down to scholarships not like, because we meet all the parameters to be division two yeah say so that's I, I that scholarship that's got to be a lot of money it's a whole lot of money <laughs> For... i mean it's a lot of money it really is and, and there are there, there. Are, you have to offer so many scholarships in each sport. Yeah, and you know, the yeah, that's like it's
3: not just hey, we're going to do scholarships in basketball. Correct. You can't.
2: That's <laughs> right. You can't just. And now there are schools that are like, I think Johns Hopkins. I'm going to use them as an example. Division mm-hmm. Division One by sport. by sport, right? They're Division One and lacrosse or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're Division Three and all the other sports. So there are you can do yeah. that as well.
3: Well,
1: it's a huge financial commitment, as you guys said, but also is, is how much commitment do you want? for athletics you guys commit a lot but i mean you're known for academia correct so i mean they i'm not saying that they would want to if that would hurt that if you, if you like became too much involved
2: yeah. in i don't think it would hurt the academic side of it but i mean it's just a it is a choice that that rhodes is, is dedicated to the division three model and and we all are, are very happy with it and, and excited to continue to grow mm-hmm. in our division three you take a school like saint Thomas, Elvin, Minnesota they were they started their commitment to growing out of Division Three several years ago. Like I mean, when we were living in Minneapolis, I was at the University of Minnesota with Tubby, St. Thomas was committed back then that they were growing out of Division Three. they made no they made no secrets about that that was their goal. They were going to go, they were going to be the first school to ever go Division Three to Division One. And they they worked their butts off to get there and they did it and now they're competing at a very high level in certain sports at the division one level and this is their first full year I believe being able really. to, to, to compete.
1: I can see the benefits of if you eventually can grow that large to Division one what what is what are the differences between D3 and D2?
2: Well, and I would say a, a ton. I mean, Division three is a, its own very separate deal. No
1: scholarships. D two is some scholarships. Some scholarships, okay, and, some,
2: and then like, you know, in Division two, I think they're even even in say basketball. I, I don't know this, but I think that like certain schools may have ten or twelve or thirteen scholarships, and may and then other schools are operating on the minimum, yeah, and whatever that is. And so. Uh, there, I, I think each division has its own very unique system division one you have to have you know you have 13 you can't split them up there and I think division two you may have eight and you can't split them up and different things like that so it's very uh it's very unique you know division three we we have very a few restricted days to go recruiting we don't have as many restricted days because we're not offering athletic scholarships (laughs) right so they offered up
3: restricted by that
2: (laughs) correct so they offered up for us to be out a lot more than the guys that have scholarships to offer to give us a chance to get these higher-end athletes
1: but again the more times you go out of town that's more out of your budget
2: more money you gotta spend fly
1: somewhere to california fly to
3: california and all that that's obviously what's what's the what would be
2: like what's the reward
3: for moving up? That yeah. I mean I, I guess Other, th- I
2: mean maybe I, I don't know for us I don't think there is one I think yeah. we're we're, we're uh, where we're supposed to be yeah at Division three and, and you see a lot of like pitch. like, like miles school for like
3: SIUE moved up to Division one and yep. like they're they're not competing in Division one no, they didn't they compete in Division
2: two either and I might like my thought like.
3: What's what? What's the reward of this? Maybe
2: the, it, it, I think sometimes people really believe in if you build it, they will come yeah. mentality. Yeah. Right, that's like the
3: idea, like you're going to hope that you're you, you hope you people start coming right. to games more, yeah. all of that type stuff.
2: You're hoping for maybe more donors, fan other stuff, more donors engagement. No doubt, I think that it's the if you build it, they will come mentality. But there's also a lot of schools that have tried that that it really hurt them. They went yeah. up Division One. And now they went back to Division three, and some of them are try. They're doing anything and everything they can to keep their doors open, and remain a school because they spent so much money and energy and effort doing that D one jump mm-hmm. that it, it really hurts. Because that's the thing, like you're talking about you know, just
3: the especially if you're going from D three to whatever. Just the scholarships alone, but in anything, like obviously your facilities have to be up to par, all of that type, recruiting yep. budgeting, everything else, and like so you're putting it in. An, a heck of an investment into the hope that you get the rewards because there is, is
2: no guaranteed rewards there for it. There's no guarantee. You know I mean? You're not going to... It's not... You know, just because you jumped to Division One, it doesn't mean automatically that everything... Like, let's... Hypothetically, we went Division One. It's not because... Everybody in Memphis isn't automatically just gonna be like, oh they're division one we're gonna start showing yeah, up and I, paying for season tickets and, to go and, to their games. And and like you're, the not,
3: you're not suddenly going to the SEC and cashing a fifty million dollar check because you're in the conference. Like just, It is what it is.
2: You know, there's very few that are are conferences that are, are writing those big checks. <laughs> yeah. Right, and everybody else is ho- hoping to break even.
1: Still got the uh, final game and then the tournament, so there's still a lot to play for. But have you already given thought to next year? Do you know exactly how many guys you got back and how many? Players, you have to go get for your roster, or is that still something in flux?
2: I think it's. I think it's always in flux. But uh, the, the the short answers I haven't thought about next year at all. My right. my thought right now is is tomorrow. Good it, on you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, and it's, it's you know, there was talking with a, a guy last night. Dude, we have so many things to think about, no matter what in our day to day in season, that it it is not worth it to even start letting your mind wander. Beyond what is right in front of you, because it's so. There's so much that has to go into to preparation to win a game, and so our thought is right now is we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to win tomorrow night, and, and it's, it's survive in advance right now. I mean, our mindset is completely adjusted to we gotta we're gonna we're gonna go into this thing to get over the hump and start winning these close games and, and maybe uh, shock some folks.
3: You played Hendricks at the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. So does that feel like it was like three years a ago? A lifetime ago, yeah,
2: it does. I mean, and especially with you know their roster and look at their roster compared to then and now. And you know they had some folks that were out that are really really hooping right now. So it's going to be a totally different. Did, did they
1: make a lot of moves at the trade deadline? Yeah, they they,
2: they did. They got them all healthy because <laughs> it's interesting because
3: the way you're getting the way your schedule works, you had that period in the middle where you literally played teams back to back weeks, and then you have this team that you're yep. two months over.
2: Two, you're two and a half months in between playing them. No doubt. And so that's that's the weirdness of, the, of this conference and the scheduling. Our scheduling is a little bit odd in that sense that you're playing your travel partner literally two months apart. Now, we chose to do that. We could have played early January and then now, but our schedules didn't allow because we were coming off that Vegas trip and things like that. Well,
1: here's the great thing about conference tournaments, right? We've seen surprises, whether it's D1, D2, D3. It happens yep. all the time. That's really what... I love about college basketball yep. is that you do have these shockers in the tournament, and it takes somebody else's that large spot in the NCAA tournament. So uh, it's certainly possible. I know uh, the team has uh, had some close shaves here of late and have had some tough losses, but uh, I know you'll have them ready. Again, tomorrow night you got Hendricks, 8 o'clock, over at uh, Maori Gymnasium, so get on over there, again, free of charge, and then it's on to conference tournament play. That's right. Thank you, Zoe.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you all.
1: We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. We'll take a break. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings. Morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Last night, Penny Hardaway had his weekly radio coaches show, talked about his next opponent, North Texas, said we can't let them play their game. We have to go in there punching first. And that should always be the attitude, right, is to take control of a game early on. That's exactly what they did on Sunday in the game against Tulane. Um, He also talked about Naquan Tomlin, who was a guest last night. Uh, he said he's got three or more four three or four more levels he can get to. How about just one more?
3: Well, again, when Penny talks about players, he generally uses the
1: Does he exaggerate a little bit?
3: <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit.
1: Um, trying to think if there's anything else significant from what he had to say last night. Um, oh, oh, here we go. Penny on the, this is from Parthu Pajai, friend of the show. Penny on his shrinking rotation in the past two games. Quote, now with it being kind of a do or die situation, we really started locking in and focusing on a smaller rotation. It's about getting those guys in a rhythm and keeping them in a rhythm. Well, first of all, has he cut down on the rotation? I still want to see what happens when Jalen Young's available, and he I'm not sure if he – I haven't heard yet if he's available for tomorrow or went Thursday, excuse me, against North Texas, and Ashton, who didn't play in that game, that may have just been Coach's decision. But he still went nine deep, not counting the last few minutes of the game where Carl Sharon, I think, got in late, and, of course, um, Stansbury, Noah Stansbury got in. So he still went nine. I I don't know what the shrinking rotation is. Because I I would imagine that Jalen Young is certainly going to be part of that rotation. And it looks like that Jonathan Pierre has been added to that rotation. But I do agree with him. It's about getting those guys in a rhythm. And that's why when you bring up three minutes into the game, guy gets pulled. How do you stay in that rhythm? Especially when a guy actually finds a rhythm early, usually David Jones. And then all of a sudden he's on the pine.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'll never understand the uh, his substitution patterns. I don't think anybody does. This week we will see if he's going to limit that rotation. We should see it this week. These should be, I would assume, be probably pretty close games. Um, they're huge games on the road. It's who you, who you trust on the road in a big game. We'll see. If he's using 10 guys in the first 10 minutes of the game, well, it's, then he's not doing what he said he's going to do. And But we'll see. We'll we'll see what, what happens. Um, Joe Lunardi has his latest bracketology. He updates it on Tuesdays, and he has his new one out. He does not have the Tigers um, in either his first four out or next four out. Okay. old Miss, he has in his last four in. Uh, but the Tigers are nowhere to be found.
1: And I think that was the same with Jerry. His came out yesterday. Did you see his?
3: Jerry uh, you know Jerry, has a, Jerry has him in the first four out.
1: Oh, he does. So he's elevated them. We'll talk to Jerry about that tomorrow.
3: Got a text on uh, a little bit on this. Uh, this is from Reggie. He says, Kentucky's dropping games like Memphis did. Kansas got beat by almost 30, albeit on the road. Both overall standings, respective conference uh, both of them's respective conference standing is almost the same, which is no better than Memphis. They are still projected to make the NCAA tournament. What makes them different from Memphis in terms of making the tournament, barring the conference tournament, is it because they are in better conferences, even with the non-conference games in play? Yes. Um, well, it's like, for, like Kansas. You can't even compare it all because while Kansas cannot win a road game. In conference, they're terrible. Um, again, one in five in road games in conference, so they have struggled. But Kansas has non-conference wins over Kentucky, which, granted, that's not looking as good as it did when they did it. Tennessee and UConn. Like, Kansas, that's about as good as you're going to get in a non-conference resume with wins over those three teams. Um, they're five and four in quad one. So They have five quad one game wins four and one in quad two. So they're nine and five in quads one and two. Kentucky, now there is a difference. Kentucky doesn't have, they got North Carolina. That's really it to speak of in the non-conference as far as good wins go. Um They're only two and five in quad one. They are five and one in quad two, which is what is kind of lifting them, is that they are, They've got those quad two. But that but Kentucky's also sliding. Like you look, Jerry has them as a seven now. Uh Lunardi, I think, has them as a six. Like Kentucky is sliding. And if they keep losing, like Kentucky is no guarantee to make the NCAA tournament. No, They all. they certainly could miss the NCAA tournament. Right. Now, but what going to the whole thing, like saying that they're same, like similar in the conference standings. Well, for instance, Kansas, yes, they are fifth in the Big 12 right now. But being fifth in the Big 12 is a lot different than being fifth in the American Athletic Conference. Like, right. That's why I said the, the conference is the difference. The Big 12, look, 12 of their 14 teams are in the top 70 in Kenbom. Like, the Big 12 is awesome. So, As
1: opposed to how many in the American?
3: You're going to lose... Uh, Three? Uh, no. Uh, SMU's uh, in, right? Yeah. Top 70. It'll be Florida Florida Atlantic Atlantic and SMU. Just two. Okay. Uh, Let me double check that, but I assume that... I know Memphis is not. I wasn't sure
1: if North Texas was in.
3: um, I know they lost to SMU recently. uh, Yeah, Memphis is at 78 in Kenbaum. I think SMU, he's still got SMU up there. Yeah, he's got... uh, Yeah, Florida Atlantic's at 30. SMU's at uh, 47. Okay, so nobody else. That's the only two in the top 70. Again... The Bitcoin has twelve, right? <laughs> so again, the so being fourth and one versus fourth and, and again, it, what it does is it gives you all of these quad one opportunities and quad two opportunities. You know the SEC. Um, let's see what the SEC. They has. probably have
1: about eight, eight nine, I would imagine.
3: Uh, and while you're
1: looking that up, that's why I understand when callers call in, texters text. Jeff Crane has said it other people have said Jeff Crane said it you know an hour ago that the the conference is is pretty good the conference is competitive with each other there have been surprises charlotte south florida have been surprises within the conference on any given night that whole deal yes 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 but it doesn't mean that that conference is good when it's compared to other conferences. And that is the issue because they don't, they have not accumulated any real significant non-conference wins. There have been a few of them that have. Memphis did, and then of course, these teams have struggled. But I still think when you look at the way Virginia's starting to play now, Clemson, I mean, th- these are good wins and should give Memphis a lot more support. But you can't lose home games in this conference like you did to Rice and to USF. And even though USF is better in the conference this year, then it still doesn't mean anything because they are not significant nationally. They're not significant in Kenpah. They're not significant in the net. And that's where you get hurt.
3: And that's so uh, the SEC has nine teams in the top seventy, including three in the top ten, right? Um, of Ken Palm rankings. And again, I'm just using Ken Palm is what I've got up. But you know, again, so for a team like Kentucky, um, you just look at their remaining schedule. Again, now this is the, the this is what could knock them out of the tournament. But Kentucky, the rest of the way, they've got Ole Miss tonight, uh, but then they go to Auburn. To LSU, and you know, LSU's not one of those teams' top 70, but LSU at home is a dangerous team. Then they've got Alabama, then they're at Mississippi State, then they got Arkansas and Vanderbilt, who were bad, and then they've got Tennessee. I mean, you start losing all of those other those games against the good teams, like if you're Kentucky, you suddenly could be out of the NCAA tournament. It certainly is not out of question at all. You know, they lose the game at LSU, you lose the game at Mississippi State, and then you lose to Alabama on your home floor. You lose to Tennessee, you lose to Auburn. They, these are all very reasonable things. Like, you you could see Kentucky out of the tournament.
1: Oh, they're calling for Cal's head already. Could you imagine if they didn't make the NCAA tournament? But yes, there, there's no, no doubt that they are still... Right now, they'd be in the tournament, but on shaky ground. A little bit different in Kansas, maybe a lot different in Kansas. The team that really I'm interested in is Michigan State. They just picked up the big win over Illinois. They're 14 and, are there maybe 15 and nine now? They have nine losses. But here's the thing about Memphis. This week, quad one opportunity, quad two opportunity, right? Quad two, North Texas, winning on the road at North Texas in Denton, and then against SMU in Dallas is a quad one opportunity. So you can win those games, take care of business, lose a game at Florida Atlantic. I think you're in good shape. I think you're in good shape as an at-large, even though right now they're on the outside looking in with everybody's bracketology. That is huge to go down to Texas and to win these two games. They stumble in Texas. I mean, it's absolutely over, other than getting the AQ. You
3: know, comparing Memphis to Kentucky, you know, Memphis has more quad one wins. They're three and two in quad one right now. Kentucky's two and five. But Kentucky five and one in quad two, or Memphis is only two and two in quad two. Memphis also has a quad four loss, which Kentucky does not have. Um, so again, I yes, there. Um, it kind of depends what you're looking at. All of these different things. You know, Kentucky has the best win of that with the, with the win against North Carolina. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot to go through, but there's no doubt that Kentucky is sliding. But Kansas, again, because of Kansas's non-conference accomplishments, as long as they, even if they keep losing the road games, mm-hmm. but they keep winning the home games, like Kansas is still going to be a very high seed um, in the NCAA tournament based on you know the the whole strength of their record. All right, so no ruling
1: today. No ruling coming today on the Tennessee virginia injunction the counter from the attorney generals of those two respective states against the ncaa Uh, the judge according to this story will issue one in short order likely in a few days so no ruling coming today on the tennessee virginia injunction dealing with the ncaa with that lawsuit and of course it all has to do with the topic of nil
3: by the way on kentucky where did that go? I eh, know. Okay. Actually, Kentucky and Memphis will probably have similar resumes. The rest of the way, Memphis will have how many quad one opportunities the rest of the way? The, Memphis will For Memphis, well, probably have four quad ones. Four? Florida Atlantic on the road
1: is still a quad one if they're a top 25, right? Uh, I mean, I mean, Florida,
3: at home. both at home. Florida Atlantic's. Well, no, yeah, because North Texas, if they, the oh, only way North Texas would become quad one is if they beat Memphis. So that all that would become is— right? <laughs> you you could because if you beat them, they're they're teetering on that top seventy right now. Mm-hmm. But if you beat them, if the Memphis beats them, the, you know that's they're not going to move up in top. So if they were to beat Memphis, they might move into the top seventy, which would make it a quad one loss. But as far as quad one wins, it would just be the SMU game, uh, the Florida Atlantic road game for sure, Florida Atlantic home game. they gotta be, they got to be top 30. Mm-hmm. And right now in the net, Florida Atlantic is 27. And again, Memphis still could pick up another quad one win. In the tournament? If Virginia, oh, okay. who is at right now 32... If they move into the top 30, that becomes a quad one win. Now, Clemson is at number 30. So they could also fall out. So you could, you know, those two are both tiering right there. So both of those could either end up being quad one or they might both fall into quad two as well. Again, it's all based on what it is at the current time, not what they were when you played them. It's based on what they are at the end of the season. That is an extremely important point for those who don't understand that. It's not
1: at the time you beat them or lost to them. It's what they are at the end of the season. So with Florida Atlantic, it's interesting. You get to play them twice. If you beat them twice, even if they are, let's say, a quad one in the game in Memphis, because surely they'd be a quad one in well, both. Well, they're on the
3: road. Yeah, the 70, top seven. They're definitely going to be top seven.
1: Right. But, and, and they shouldn't lose that status. But if you play them in the conference tournament, I don't know how that works. How does that work on a neutral court?
3: Neutral court top 50 is, um, 50, 50, I believe is, So yeah, they may 50, still be- 30, there. 50, 70 is quad one.
1: So they still could be in that, You know, it all depends. How about if Memphis swept three from Florida Atlantic? Where would they be as far as the net is concerned? And would it be quadrant one wins when it's all said and done against Florida Atlantic if you sweep them three times?
3: Well, it depends what they did in their other games. It, the 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 a home game probably would not be quad one. The other two would be quad ones. It would be a two quad ones and a quad two in all likelihood, if that's the case, as long as Fort Atlantic didn't take some bad losses to other teams along that way.
1: And SMU, there's always the chance that could drop, right?
3: Yeah, SMU is still such a weird deal with the net because they're way higher, really, than they— quite frankly, should be. But SMU's at 43 right now. Um, so, again, be tough for them to fall out of the top 70 unless they completely collapse. So the road, this game coming up, this road game, should be a quad one game for sure.
1: But it would actually be a bad loss for SMU on Sunday. You think about it, it's like Memphis. It's a bad loss. They would be at home playing at Memphis right now. They are wearing the
3: net. Memphis is 75.
1: Yeah, so they're 75. And hell, if they lost to North Texas, they'd be worse. That would be a bad loss for SMU, which is hard to fathom, but that's Well, yeah, that is
3: a, uh, let's see. What is the cutoff on? It is, well, they're right. It's borderline for for SMU. It is SMU right there because Memphis is 75. It's quad two. But if they were 76, it's a quad three game for SMU. Wow. I mean, that's 75 is the cutoff for a home game for the bottom of quad two. 76 goes to quad three for a home game.
1: Isn't that amazing? So, yeah. Memphis could be a quad three opponent for that team.
3: if, If SMU beats Memphis, That would which would drop Memphis probably a little bit in the net, it would be a quad three win for SMU. So it's, yeah, it it, for SMU, this it's not nearly as big a game as it is for Memphis. Memphis, it's a quad one opportunity, SMU, it's a quad two slash quad three opportunity
1: tonight. A lot of action in college basketball, including we mentioned Virginia, they are hosting Pitt, Virginia into the top 25. Also, you got a battle of two. Ranked teams in the Big 12: Oklahoma, number 25. They've slid a little bit now. Of six losses, they'll play at Baylor, number 12. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Ole Miss and Kentucky. Kentucky's lost three straight at Rupp. They host Ole Miss. They come in at 16 and seven. Ole Miss at 18 and five. have coverage beginning when.
3: 7.30, yeah, it's 8 o'clock.
1: Tempo. 7.30 right here on Sports 56, 98.5
3: Moving can be stressful, but not when you have the professionals to help you, not when you get the professionals, the correct professionals to do that move for you. That would be black tie moving. Talk to the folks at black tie moving. Take the stress, take the worry out of that move. Whether you're going across town, across country, wherever it is that you're moving, maybe it's a new home, maybe it's a new office space, whatever it is you're moving, wherever it is you're moving, folks at Black Tie Moving can make sure it goes as smoothly as possible. All you need to do is give them a call at 901-316-6196 or you can go to the website blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis. Get a no-obligation quote from them. Uh, they work with you, coming up with a plan, fitting both your needs and your budget as well. And again, They're going to make sure you take all that stress and worry out of the process, so much so that you'll have a moving concierge available 24-7. So any questions that you have, anything that comes up during the process, they're there to answer those for you 24-7. So talk to the folks at Black Time Moving for that move you've got coming up. Don't try and do it yourself. Don't ask your lazy friends to help you. Talk to the experts. Get the professionals. 901-316-6196 or blacktiemoving.com slash memphis
1: it is still hard to comprehend that there were a bunch of 49ers who did not know the overtime rules i wanted to talk about that when we come back plus i have him at number two on my all-time quarterbacks list where do you have patrick mahomes right now in his career with what he has accomplished. We will discuss some football when we return. To wrap it up, this is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning! On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Congratulations to our good friend Joe Theismann. AutoZone
1: Liberty Bowl just announcing he is the recipient of the Distinguished Citizen Award to College Football, or dis, excuse me, Distinguished Citizen Award um, this upcoming year. So through 2024, he will be presented uh, June 2nd at the Hilton, be a dinner and auction as they do every year. Joe Theismann, the Liberty Bowl, AutoZone Liberty Bowl Distinguished Citizen Award winner for 2024. All right, so nine different 49ers came out and said, that they had no idea about the playoff overtime rules. How's that possible? I understand fans. I even understand media. I don't get players playing in the NFL in the playoffs and particularly in the Super Bowl not knowing the rules.
3: Uh, Well, obviously they didn't really go over it, and it's a brand new thing that had never been seen, so (laughs) they, they didn't know. But both coaches, Chris
1: Jones, said that they took care of it in the preseason with Kansas City with Andy Reid. They went over it, and then I thought it may have been Shanahan himself saying that they had discussed that also as the year progressed about what those rules would be. Maybe, maybe they didn't.
3: But and, you know, and and the Chiefs obviously, yes, they they went over it and everything else. But they clearly, it's not like they went over it in depth leading up to the game because Michael Hardman didn't know. He had no idea he just won the game. <laughs> he did. So he was with the Jets of the priesthood. They must talked about the priesthood, but they didn't do it leading up to the game. Or if they did, he didn't pay attention. Like so, like again, and and you know, part of it is like, it, unless you really go over it in depthly, like some of these guys probably like they listen, but they're not really like ah, what's it? It's, I'll worry about it when we get there. And then they get there, and they're like, I don't, I don't know what to deal this. Is I'm not sure what's happening. I don't know, like, because I mean, the, the referee announces it. Right before the coin, like I said, "Like we're basically kicking off a new game. Each team will get the ball once. Then we'll go to sudden death." Like the referee explains the rule right there on the spot, right before he, you kick it off for the overtime. But people like these guys, I don't know. They just do. You remember the officials saying? I guess they don't have
1: to say it. Normally, they would say in overtime during the regular season one period, and they changed it to what was it, ten minutes, right? Used to be fifteen. Wasn't it ten minute overtime period? This one in the in the regular season,
3: yeah, it's a ten minute
1: ten, ten minutes, that's right? So he didn't say we will play until each team has possessed the ball well, twice. He, he Fully. said
3: he said we're kicking off a new game. That's what he said. He said we're, we are kicking off a new game.
1: Oh, okay, that's that's literally what he said. Ba- he said we're basically that.
3: kicking off a new game. Um, so Kyle each Shanahan. team will get three timeouts. All that, like he went through the whole thing. Like basically said, like we are starting a brand new game. Each of you got to get the ball once. If we're still tied then we'll go to sudden death. And he said the only way it ends after the first possession is if it is a defensive score.
1: Yeah, but they didn't comprehend that that second possession could actually go into the next 15 minutes. That's where the confusion came in, that it was that it was timed. But Shanahan said, as we talked about yesterday on the show, that he did it because took the ball first after um, winning the toss was that – they would get the ball the third time in sudden death, where a field goal would win it. But yesterday, Pat Mahomes, by the way, spent some time in Disneyland, said that they had already decided they're getting the ball second, and if the other team scored a touchdown, they were going for two. So it never would have come to that third possession. So it's interesting the strategic uh, the strategy rather in the game. I think teams will learn from that what happened in this one. I don't, I'm not saying San Francisco lost because of that, but I think teams for the future that go to the Super Bowl, as long as they have this rule intact, will learn from what we just saw.
3: Yeah, again, there is a very wide-ranging opinion. Listen to people yesterday. that, So you talk to coaches, talk to analytics people around the league. It is pretty much about a 50-50 split on which way to go, whether you take the ball or don't take the ball. So it's a very... Um, There are various opinions and it might be adjusted or whatever, but, you know, people may look at this now and see how it played out and say, well, maybe we would, maybe we are better doing it the other way or whatever. But again, there is a good argument to be made on either side of whether you should take it first or take it second if you win that toss. And apparently around the league, it is very split. Again, it's brand new. It had never been used before. So now now at least there is one piece of data to see how it worked out based on that.
1: I know you'll be going the rest of the week, but I do want to get into the topic of, of and I touched on it a little bit yesterday, of Patrick Mahomes and where is he is on the quarterback list. I'd like to talk about that one of these days this week with Zach and myself and the listeners out there, get their thoughts. Because like I said yesterday, he's number two for me now all time. And we'll, we'll talk about more, more of that uh, topic later on in the week.
3: You need a tough, reliable tractor to tackle those tough chores. We'll go see the folks at Mid-South Ag Equipment with the Case IH Farmall Series tractors. They got exactly what you need. Of course, they got much more than the Case IH Farmall Series. They got Bushhog equipment and much, much more. They've got new equipment. They've got used equipment. They can service your equipment. They can do it all for you at Mid-South Ag Equipment. All you got to do is go see them. That's just south of Collierville on Goodman Road. Take the I-260, take I-269 to the Goodman Road exit. Just a half mile west there, so very easy to get to. Of course, you can also find them online at midsouthag.com, where you can check out that inventory, get all the information you need and all the different equipment that they have. Plus, you can check out special deals that they've got going on on that equipment at Mid-South Ag Equipment. Get just south of Collierville on Goodman Road and online at midsouthag.com. They are Mid-South Ag Equipment.
1: Tomorrow, it's our Valentine's Day extravaganza show. Not much different than today's show, but... It is what it is. Uh, Matt Reiser will join us tomorrow at 725. He is the Memphis Tigers baseball coach. They're getting set for their season opener this weekend as they travel to Jacksonville State. He'll join me in studio. Andy Borman at 805 on Tigers Hoops. Jerry Palm at 825. And then we'll talk plenty of Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole at 905. Try to enjoy Hawaii.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a long day tomorrow. But the travel day back and forth is is never fun. But uh, going out there, trying to See what the Ole Miss Rebels can do to open up the season against Hawaii in a four-game series. Going to be a late night Friday night as the first pitch will be at ten thirty p.m. Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> so, got to get adjusted to the time for that one. Be getting off the air at about two in the morning here Central Time, I guess. But uh, yeah, it should be should be fun out there. Eighty forecasted for eighty-one degrees. Ah, in the next four stop days. rubbing
1: him. Here's the thing, though. Traveling is a lot easier because of movies and those type of things. You watch a few movies, boom, you're in Hawaii in no time. Enjoy. We'll no, talk to you. I know. It's,
3: it's still know. 12 hours of travel. <laughs> I know.
1: I've done it, I've done it several times. Uh, I'll talk to you again on Tuesday next week. God willing. God willing. I might just decide to stay in Hawaii. Wallo well, and friends on Sports 56 is coming up next. He's in studio today. He's getting ready to head to Texas for a couple of games for the Tigers. We'll have more about that uh, on this show today. I want to thank, of course, our great guests, Daryl Johnston, Moose Johnston, Jeff Crane, and Zoe Goodson. For Eli Savoy, for Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Hold on to the